Hey, it's Tuesday, and it's your boy, Vince, and we are here to talk about some hoops and uh, give you a couple updates on what to expect in the coming days here on FRPC. Again, my name is Vince. You can find me on X at Frontrunner PC, Paul, Christmas, or however you want to put that. Also, you can get my guy Nico at FRPC or Nico at Nico FRPC. Sorry about that. So uh, let's get on with a couple things here. We're going to have some uh, house cleaning notes in regards to what's going on with the pod and all that sort of thing. Well, you know, we talked about it. We talked about there were going to be a couple of changes or whatever. And those changes are coming very shortly. Um, Dane Blackburn, uh, I talked about him, I believe, last pod in regards to he'll be coming in. He will be another uh, co-host. He's from Australia. He's going to have some really cool opinions about basketball, about trades, about valuing people and things of that nature. And I look forward to those conversations. And also... The Canadian Bomber is going to be making his return in December. Nigo Miatello will be back. So we will have the gang together. And uh, what's going to end up happening is that we are going to have at least two pods a week. I'm not going to promise more right now. I think there could be more. But right now, we're going to promise two pods a week. One will be solo. And then we will alternate weeks. With Nico and Dane. Um, and just try to get them into the mix. And I think it'll be a good situation for everybody involved. You can hear voices. I think the first and foremost thing. Is that we're going to all do one together. And uh, we're just trying to coordinate times. And, and, and schedules to allow that to happen. But bear with us. We have gone through some change. And uh now we're coming out the other end of it, and uh, I feel pretty good about it, and the rest of the staff does as well. With all that being said, we haven't talked a lick about basketball, and let's go ahead and do so. Um, there's so many things going on in the league right now. There's a couple things that I really want to focus in on, and the first thing that I want to focus on is something that I had said in the preseason or in the offseason and when I said it, I think a lot of people thought, oh, Vince, you're doing this for clicks. You're doing this because you don't like the Lakers. You're doing this because you got some sort of vendetta or whatever. Here's the deal. It's not even about getting right. What this is is when you have somebody who is about to be 39 years of age, and he is awesome. He's absolutely Outstanding. We're seeing things every single time LeBron James steps on the court. We're just seeing history. We're seeing amazing things from somebody at that age who's played that many minutes, that many playoff minutes. It's it's absolutely unreal what we're getting from LeBron. There's a ceiling to LeBron and AD. And I'm going to take Laker fans back to a day that, depending on how old you are, you'll remember this. 
there was a point in time when the Lakers were so dominant. And this is like in the Shaq and Kobe days. And even before that, this is like magic days. But there were teams that were good, right? We had, you know, the Portland Trailblazers. We had the Sacramento Kings. We had other teams that would rise up. But you knew that the talent you had, as far as your top two or whatever, was better than theirs. Maybe it wasn't even that the talent was better. Maybe they were, they thought the game through more. But there seemed to be a control level, even when the Lakers looked like they were kind of bobbing and weaving, there seemed to be like a control level of, okay, we can, it could stay like here, but if it gets closer, we're going to have to really put our foot down, right? And I know this is probably terrible, terrible podcasting and trying to paint a picture for you, but I'm doing the very best I can. But what I'm trying to say is that the Lakers do not have that. They are not that championship caliber team that can just stave off of um, heavy pursuit from, you know, an up and coming team on a nightly basis. They need to have like all hands on deck. They all need to be playing at an optimum level. For them to to play well. And unfortunately. LeBron's. Greatness. Kind of reminds me. Of a really old movie. That I saw back in the day. It was called Flash Gordon. And at the end of Flash Gordon. Um, Ming the Merciless. Was trying to. Control Flash. He had this ring that basically. Had mind control. But his power was fading, so it didn't have the control on Flash that it should have, right? Because he was dying and he was getting old and whatever case may be. Uh, Flash defeated him, right? So, and that's how I kind of look at the Lakers. They're good enough to win games. They're definitely going to be over 500 this year, I believe. But they're not good enough to go on like streaks of, we're going to win the next 12 out of 14. It doesn't matter who we're playing, whether it's, you know, Cleveland, this person, this team, this team. We're just, we need to put a stretch together where we, you know, put some distance between us and whomever, you know, playoff position. They don't have that in the tank now. That is not something in reserve that they can go draw on at any point in time. They just they just don't have it. And I said something in the um in the offseason in regards to Palinka under LeBron's James knows it uh under LeBron James knows has kind of rebuilt this team and, and provided the team with a bunch of assets and, and all of this. And I still believe this to be true. You know, Max Christie is playing better. You know, Austin Reeves, we seen we haven't seen the best of him this year, but I think his legs might be tired from the international play. So I think what what the Lakers have as far as the young talent and is as they continue to build with that young talent and make shrewd trades that continue to build up this depth. You're setting it up right for the next superstar. 
I just think right now we're that team that if everything breaks right, we can probably get to a Western Conference Finals. But I think that might be our ceiling. And we used to look at the Phoenix Suns and laugh at them back in the day. Oh, look at that gritty little team. And they just, you know, they just can't get over the hump. And, ha -ha, and you know, they were playoff fodder for the Lakers. Well, we are now the playoff fodder for other teams. Now, you can look at that and go, well, I don't agree with you, Vince, or or, or that seems harsh, or, or, or whatever it is, your, you know, whatever you think the, uh, the magnitude of this thought is. I just don't see it. I think maybe once they get the death back, it'll look a lot better. But I don't see this, like, really uber-talented. When our mind is right, we can beat anyone in the league. We have that kind of swagger to do so. Everything is difficult. You know, they, put, they don't put teams away. Very easily, and they're getting blown out by teams. And listen, Philadelphia shot the lights out yesterday. So there's no shame in losing to Philadelphia. The shame is, is that when you don't summon the effort and you're getting blown out by, like, the Houston Rockets, and albeit the Rockets have played absolutely phenomenally this year, this is a problem for the Lakers. And I think that is where we are with them. So, again, no shade against the Lakers, no shade against LeBron James. Um, but we are at a point where they're not a real contender. And I think if we get to that point where we know that and we understand that this is where we are as a Laker fandom or whatever the case may be, I think we'll be better off. Let's move along to a team that, uh, that's been taking its lumps lately, but also we kind of saw it coming. The San Antonio Spurs. Um, talked about them last pod. I'm not going to st stick to it too much, but I've seen on Twitter where people are going crazy about, you know, uh, you know, unorthodox offense and, and all of these type of things. And we had talked about it on last pod. But there is one alarming thing that I do want to bring up. Um, we need to get the ball to Victor Winbanyama. And you say, well, Vince, this would be a lot easier if there was a point guard. Well, you tell me how many true point guards we got in the league. Okay? There are just stretches of the quarters where Vince, Victor Winbanyama is not touching the ball for three to four minutes. That can't happen. That just cannot happen. Not just because of the fact that they're not a good team and he's a good player, but that is the star that you are trying to build. That is the that's the star that you're trying to create into a, one of the most dominant uh, pieces that that this league has ever seen, and uh, not allowing him to get the ball for you know six six possessions you know, in a row down the court makes no sense whatsoever. 
my man should not be getting cardio in, you know, you know, just making sure his legs is good in any game he plays it. Right? So before there's some sort of injury and he can't play or or God willing he's he plays all season. Let's just make a concerted effort to get Wing Bayama the basketball a little bit more. I think he should be averaging somewhere in like 17 to, to 20 shots a game. Well, the Orlando Magic have been playing excellent basketball. Um, a couple of the things that I want to bring up too is not just Orlando playing excellent basketball, but there's, it looks like there's a little shift, and I think it was something that we kind of saw, you know, last year a little bit. There's going to be some teams that take this this regular season real serious, and there's going to be some teams that are just trying to figure themselves out and then kind of get themselves into, you know, playoff readiment by the time it's all it's go time. But with the Magic right now being 12 and 5, beating Boston, um, they they look great. They're out efforting people right now. But if you ask me what Orlando does well, do they execute in the half court well? No. Do are they like a tremendous offensive rebounding team? They're okay. Are they uh, a lockdown defender team? Not quite. Oh, well, they they must be just, you know, just a lights-out, three-point shooting team. No, none of those things. Where they are right now is they are the try-hard team in the NBA. These are the dudes that you go to the YMCA gym, and you're just trying to get a run in, you know, just, you know, get some, put up a couple shots, no big deal. And you got that one dude that's like, he's like guarding you. And he's extra sweaty, right? So you feel the, the, you feel the sweat up against you and it feels, it feels nasty. That's what Orlando is. Orlando is a real try hard team, but they have a, a ton of young talent, um, not developed yet. The development is coming from Franz Wagner and Paulo Gancaro. But as of right now, the other pieces are really good, play hard. You're going to see them really surprise some teams this year. But I think they would be the candidate for, I hate to call it this because I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to throw shade on a uh, fan base, but I guess if you had to call it something like the Sacramento or this year or whatever. But they're the team that could win a lot of games early this year, surprise some people, get into the playoffs, and then take an early exit. So as much as we're excited about the development of the young guys, it's fool's gold in Orlando. And if you're just happy with, hey, we're playing well, we're competitive, it's good to be in games that matter. It's good to be talking about Orlando Magic basketball. Understandable. But if you're saying we can go to the Eastern Conference Finals with this team, I would tell you to pump the brakes just a tad, right? 
So, um, you know, it's again, I want to shout out my guy, Tyrese Halliburton, who's absolutely getting it done. I mean, he's leading the league in assists. He's absolutely all world. Um, I think that the one thing that uh, uh, Nico and I discussed not even that long ago, I think it was we were having an offline discussion on Tyrese Halliburton and talking about how we felt about him coming off the draft. And one of the things that we saw is just how instinctual he sees the game. Now, he is not the type of point guard that needs to pound the ball all the time or whatever case may be. He doesn't need to do that. Um, he gets the ball to his guys. He has no problem giving it up. He's a unselfish guy. But this is the type of guy that you really want to play with. Because, yes, he get he does get his but he is not just so myopic to his own stats and uh, personal glory that he can definitely get others involved and, and, and share the sugar, as I like to say. Um, now, Indiana now plays two games against the Miami Heat. Then they play the Detroit Pistons, which we need to talk about. Um, then they play Milwaukee, and then they play Washington. So they have a little five-game stretch here. Um, but everybody, you, you, you're going to get a couple more challenges from that team. You're going to get a couple more challenges from, uh, you know, Miami, obviously, you know, Miami definitely likes to play hard. You know, they play hard all the time. So we're good there. Um, the other thing to talk about with the Indiana, Indiana Pacers is this, is that, People keep asking about, you know, trades and whatnot. And we're going to get into that just a tad bit later. Um, as of right now, I don't see anything on the horizon for them. And not because I don't think they're not going to make the playoffs this year. I actually think that uh, Indiana has a definitely a good chance of being in the top six. Um just because, like I said, they're going to play hard. It will really depend on the fit to this particular team. Because keep in mind, when you're Indiana, when you're Cleveland, unless LeBron comes back to your city, um, you know, when you're a Denver, when you're a Milwaukee you're not just going to obtain, you know, prize-free agents. So you have to be very smart. You have to be very precise with who you trade for. Uh, is it the right mix? Is it is it uh, too soon to go in? Is it, uh, you know, um, you know, did we miss our window? All those things factor when you're in one of those cities, Portland's a city like that. New Orleans, a city like that. Um, now, if you get a, a generational talent on your squad and, and, and he decides to set up shop there, you know, then your, your situation becomes maybe more of a pie Piper type situation, but that's not how it usually goes. So I'm looking at what Indiana could do. Now, they do have an expiring contract in Buddy Hill if they wanted to move on from that. 
Um, they they have a couple pieces that they could move around. But all in all, this is a team that's on the rise. It's building, and I think you just kind of you just kind of lie in wait until you find like that real connective piece that could really jumpstart this uh this renaissance that you have going on in Indiana right now. So I think it's a I think it's a wait and see. I think obviously you kind of keep your you keep your oars in the water, you know, looking for things, but obviously at this point in time it might not be the most optimal to go after a player. Um <laughs> A team that I have been kind of staying away from as far as talking about are the Golden State Warriors. Now, the Golden State Warriors have run into injuries. They run into suspensions with Draymond Green, you know, going after Rudy Gobert, you know, damn, almost two weeks ago now. Um, he's served his suspension. He's coming off that soon. I just think with Golden State, unless they make a trade, they're going to fall in line with the Lakers and be that team that's like, okay, we're kind of scary, but we're really not winning the championship. And I know that sounds very disrespectful to all my people in the Bay, but y'all have to see it. Tell me who who else other than Steph is an impact player on that team. And, and don't tell me Draymond and what he gives you. And the, I understand what he gives you. He gives you a lot of grit. A lot of winning plays. You know who also does that? Alex Caruso. Um, but we, tr- you know, Draymond has the the ability to pass more and, and whatever he facilitates. So, you know, obviously, high level, high high highest level role player you want to call him. And can and damn it, damn it near is the heart is definitely the heartbeat of that team. But I'm talking about difference makers. Other than Steph, who's the difference maker on that team? Now, I will never sit here and chastise the Golden State Warriors for uh, ridding themselves of the Jordan Poole contract and maybe some of the histrionics that went his way, right? I, I You know, I, I'm not that guy. But. The one thing I will say is that um, they need some offensive firepower or something that staves off scoring points in a big way. And to tell you the truth, I don't know where they're going to get it from. Uh, you know, I hindsight is twenty twenty. We we've talked about the Wiseman trade and and these young cats for a long period of time. But you know what? The thing that we have not done is like it's the little trades. It's the little things that happen in a season that that should or should not go on. Now, this is a whole new regime that is in 
Golden State. Mike Dunleavy Jr. has taken over the speaking role, and uh, Joseph Lakers' son is now in charge. He's like the player personnel guy. So I don't know if they have the actual attachment to the players as maybe Bob Myers did. But if we clearly look at the Golden State Warriors right now, there's a trade that needs to be made. Another team that I want to hit on in is we have talked about it really since all everything's kind of broken down in Milwaukee and traded Dame and all that. But the Portland Trailblazers are off to a rocky start too. But this is kind of what we expected. And everybody was a little bent out of shape because um, you didn't have got you know off to a five and twelve start, which like again I, I I expect. But the thing that they that people were a little worried about was Scoot and Scoot Henderson got off to a slow start. Then he got injured, and you know now he's starting to work himself way back into uh, you know playing shape and, and whatever case may be. Now, last couple games, scored like 13 points in both those games. Uh, a little more aggressive. And again, Portland, I'm just going to tell you, just trust in the process a little bit. The kid will get it. He'll find his feet. I think the second half of the year is going to look way better than the first half of the year. I think he just has to go through the gauntlet, has to go through the fire, and then he'll be vastly improved. But as we continue to monitor what goes on, keep in mind, Portland is also kind of a linchpin to what the trade market is going to look like because, yes, they don't have Robert Williams anymore because he's out for the year with the knee surgery. But Malcolm Brogdon is still on that team. That's a nice piece for a lot of people to have. So, Keep a lookout for that. And then we actually can start in earnest in a couple weeks because December 15th is really the first day that we can really start talking about actual trades and and what have you because a lot of the people who sign their free agent contracts can now be traded after December 15th. So that is something to look forward to, and that is on the horizon. The other thing that we kind of need to talk about um, and I've been bouncing back and forth between the conferences. We're going to have more, like, it's going to be, like I told you, we have a whole setup coming. We're going to talk about fantasy. We're going to talk about betting a little bit. And we're going to get to these, like, main topics. This setup will be starting in December. Once we go to the multiple, back to multiple pods a week, once we go to having and sharing conversations with Dane and and or Nico or whoever else pops up on the pot. You know, we're gonna go more to that format. Um and I think I think it should work out pretty well. The other thing that that is going on is that everybody in Sacramento can relax. You know, Sacramento got to a little slow start. And then, you know, they started to come on um, of late. De'Aaron Fox still looks awesome. I still think they they are the team that could have used the upgrade. 
but not doing something in the offseason or couldn't get themselves involved in some of the other stuff that was going on at the time, I can understand it. Hopefully, when the trade deadline comes up, maybe they can get themselves in the mix for something else. But right now, Sacramento is pretty much exactly where I thought they would be. Um, You know, inside the top six, little, 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 you know, a little worse record than than last year, but you know, at the end of the day, this is a lot better West. So, I mean, you know, we're gonna have some things that look different. It's gonna smell different. They're gonna taste different. But uh, Sacramento, with the way they play, Mike Brown has got those guys going. And I think what should be the most important thing right now with them is is make sure they continue to stay healthy, which they did all of last year. Um. And then it's really the development of Keegan Murray. If Keegan Murray takes a step, this team is going to look a lot different. Because he has a lot to his game. I think he can be a pretty good defender. I'm not saying lockdown. Uh, I think he can be a pretty good rebounder. And I think that Keegan Murray has a lot to his offensive game that he's not uh, really blessed us with yet. So I look forward to seeing it, and I look forward to uh, what they look like, you know, game 40, basically. Oh, we got to talk about my guy, Jordan Hawkins of the Pelicans. Shout out to New Orleans. Um, They've been playing a lot better of late, but I really wanted to give a shout out to our guy, Jordan Hawkins. If you remember around the draft, Nico and I were high on Jordan Hawkins. Like, I love Jordan Hawkins. If I'm not mistaken where he went, I think he went like one spot ahead of where the Lakers took uh, Jalen Hood Shafino. And I was brokenhearted because I really like Jordan Hawkins. Um, Yeah, he's been playing lights out. Anytime he's gotten the opportunity to, to, to get it going, he definitely does. Um, he's shooting it well. He's he's he, none of this seems to be overwhelming for Jordan Hawkins, which is one of those things that you have to sit there and, and be mindful of, because you know we talk about a lot of rookies struggling right now. You know, like Scoot Henderson's of the world and things of that nature. But there's something to be said about these UConn guards. These guards that get to play in Madison Square Garden, they're not scared of the spotlight whatsoever. And here's another guy who is just, I can get buckets. You know, that's not all I do. You know, because I pass it a little bit. Uh, You know, I get rebounds, which is, he's a pretty good rebounder for somebody Who's like a, 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 I would say a sinewy six foot four, six foot five guy. He's not the biggest guy, uh, but he does handle himself well in the paint. He definitely uh, scraps for rebounds. So it's good to see him getting off. And I think the one thing that we knew in the draft analysis that we were talking about with Jordan Hawkins is that we knew that he was going to be able to shoot it, we knew that he had a creative bag. Um, but we also knew that structurally for this team, it definitely, it made a lot of sense. 
We just didn't know where the playing time was going to come from because they had a lot of guards. It's kind of the same thing that we had a question about with Case and Wallace of OKC, and I'll get there in a second. Um, but the one thing that, and if they can get Trey Murphy the third healthy, completely healthy, which I think he's he's close. He's on the men as we speak because Alvarez, uh, Alvarez is back. Uh, or Alvarado's back. So when Trey Murphy comes back, that's another shooter that will help Ingram and Zion. It will open up the court a little bit, and I hope they give those guys a lot of time because I think that mix right there is kind of key to what New Orleans could be. So. <laughs> The other thing I want to bring up is that I think it was uh, early. It was like in the middle of last week. I think Utah, our guy Will Hardy out there, got mad because the young guys weren't playing well. So he went kind of old school, benched them all, said, listen, if you're not going to hustle, I can't give you any burn. Can't give you any clock. You can't play on my team right now. So. It seems like the kids have responded. Um, not everybody got their uh, starting rollback yet, but I'm sure they will soon, soon enough. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was a pretty interesting approach, especially for such a young guy to make that uh, that kind of decision. Usually you don't see it. Uh, I think it on- only can happen in places like Utah, Oklahoma City, Portland, Places like that where you could, where the media scrutiny is not crazy. But yeah, he did it. So kudos to him and, and, and kudos to to really, you know, hey, we, we got to set a tone here. And, and that tone is, is we're not going to take any BS. You're not going to be out, out here just without any purpose or drive or determination. No, we're not going to do that. Um, and... Who did I want to talk about last? Um, hmm. Well, I do want to talk about Ja. I do want to talk about Memphis. Uh, I did talk to somebody in that organization not that long ago. Um, and here's the thing, you know, Crap ton of injuries. Everybody's hurt. Six of their top eight players um, from the rotation uh, not playing right now. I don't know what you could feasibly expect them to do. Now, everybody was like, well, trade somebody. Make a trade. Trade for what? Everybody knows you're desperate right now. (laughs) You're not coming from a place of strength whatsoever. Unfortunately, you got to ride this out. Now, by the time you ride this out, is the season over? No, it's not over. Is the season for you competitively to get yourself back into a, a, a situation where you can make a real serious run in the playoff? Yeah, that might be done. Now, you can play spoiler or you can kind of just, oh, we're just going to be injury team this year. And that happens to teams. You just run into just misfortune every time you turn the corner. It's not the worst thing in the world to happen to Memphis. 
in mind, keep in mind this this premise and this premise only. Dylan Brooks left them for Houston. It wasn't like, and I'm not saying you wanted him. You traded for uh Marcus Smart. Right? Um you drafted Ja. Right? You traded for Steven Adams, who's on the on the mend. So speedy recovery to our guy. But what I'm saying is that Memphis is not this this great de- destination place. Again, and I know people are tired of hearing that, but the other thing that you have to understand is that sometimes these things happen, and they could end up working in your favor in a in a way that you were not expecting. Because it could be that piece that you were looking for that you could not get. Or you were trying to trade up to get. Or or whatever it could be. Or get a vet or whatever. You really haven't tried to get. Bring in vets at this point. But. um, This could be a real, real. Uh. Crazy turn turn of event for Memphis because Bain is very very good. Jaron Jackson Jr. is very good. I believe if his head is on straight, Ja is also very very good. You add another player into that mix that's like another like lottery piece or whatever, or. The idea of this lottery piece, then who gets traded to, you know, somewhere else for a vet that definitely fits exactly what you're looking for. So I think, honestly, Memphis is in a real good spot. I I don't think they're quaking in their boats at all. And they have one of the most, they have one of the largest, like, uh, player development, scouting department, analytics they 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 blow it out man they get after it every single day those guys are crunching numbers getting tape up you know getting it to the team getting it to the players getting it to the coaches whatever case may be that is a absolute player development scouting machine down there and there were um Okay, we got breaking news. Mark Cuban is Mark Cuban of the governor of the Dallas Mavericks is in the process of selling a significant stake of the team. It says the Adelson family is in the process of buying significant stake into the Dallas Mavericks um, per March 9. Uh, read the athletic. Leak starts to say Mark Cuban would continue to retain operational control of the team. More to come. Breaking news. So we have Mark Cuban, one of the one of the uh, I would say one of the kind of the excuse the pun, one of the kind of like the the Mavericks of the NBA. He was really uh, vitally important to you know, bringing the NBA into, like, streaming and, and, and uh, you know, getting them on, like, the social 
media platforms and stuff like that. He was big on that. He's been a lot of committees. Uh, he's done a lot of good <clears throat> in the Dallas metro area. Um, kind of interesting to see him, you know, wanting to take this step back right now. So maybe, you know, Mr. Cuban has found another interest or whatever the case may be. I'm not. I got to do some more digging on the Adelson family. Once I have some more information, we could kind of talk about them and see if this makes any change to what this team is going to look like in like three or four years. Now, there was a key point to that. It said that Cuban will be holding on and be doing basketball operation stuff. So it looks like he's there maybe as like more of a um, consultant, but still, you know, you still have Cuban's fingerprints on the, on the Mavericks. So that was interesting. And it looks like it was for $3.5 billion. Not a bad payday if you can get it. Um, the other thing that we're going to talk about next time is we're going to get into the draft stuff and we're going to get into, we're going to see, hopefully there's a couple more rumors that shake loose. Cause as we get closer to December 15th, I think we're going to get more chatter on the market and we'll have a clear estimation of what's going to happen as we get closer. So keep that locked. Again, I want to thank everybody for their patience uh, through this time. We have been make shifting this operation up. Uh, it will get better <laughs> shortly. Um, it will be, I won't say soon, but it will be, I, I would hope that it will be in the next couple of months. But in the meantime, in between time, we do have some really exciting things coming up. Keep a lookout. Nico's return. So the Canadian Bomber, and then we're bringing on Dane Blackburn, and I cannot wait for you guys to uh, to chop it up with us. So remember YouTube, we got videos, clips go up, you know, two, three times a week. We got the podcast that you can get on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your uh, podcast from. And remember to hit us up on X. At Front Runner PC, so F R O N T R U N N E R P is in Paul C as in Cookie. All right, that's it for the show. I'm gonna go watch some basketball now. Y'all watch some basketball, and uh, we'll see you shortly. Deuce. <laughs>